0: We've never um, done a a video Slack or, or a Skype call. We've never talked to one another directly. James Mayberry is an
1: animator, creative director, and founder of Fern, an animation and creative studio based in Atlanta, Georgia. James and I met while working at Huge, and I was always blown away by the way he could bring humor and emotion to what could have otherwise been really sterile digital work. James' clients include BMW and The Atlantic, But today I'm most interested in one of his latest animated shorts, Unexpected Discoveries, a reminder of the importance of being present. The piece was featured on Vimeo Staff Picks, the Beverly Hills Film Fest, and the Pictoplasma Fest in Berlin, among many, many others. If you haven't seen Unexpected Discoveries, go watch it right now. James, welcome to Ideal. Thank you so much for being the first guest on Ideal. Uh, This is the guinea pig episode. Um, I Uh, appreciate it so much.
0: I appreciate it, man. Uh, It's great to be the first one taking this on. I feel uh, honored and humbled. It's it's
1: good to connect, too, man. Absolutely, man. (laughs) So good to catch up. The first thing I want to talk about is where good ideas come from and where did unexpected discoveries come from?
0: It came about with, with me coming across Mark's work, and and all of his illustrations have a fabulous um, story interwoven in in his illustrations, and none of those that I saw had at the time had some animation to it, and so I just took it upon myself to reach out to him, you know, throw that first stone of you know, maybe this, this, this dude would like follow up. I don't know. (laughs) He's He's a bad motherfucker. So, uh, and then he followed up and was like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do some stuff. And, and the first idea was, was more of let's illustrate out, you know, a couple scenes. And then I just take those and animate those into like a loop, a very simple loop. And then we just share those. Um, but once Mark got started on doing the sketches, um, I noticed that there's there's got to be like a better way to string these illustrations up into a like a story um, because there's obviously in his single illustrations there's like four different people holding these flashlights and. I, I was like, let's just keep it to one flashlight or, or one person and allow that one person to go through these other worlds. Um, and to me, that flashlight was like a portal or like shining that light onto um, worlds that this person wasn't exposed to or wasn't you know, aware of or just like my wife and I just having you know, lunch or dinner, and people who are also having lunch and dinner with one another are, like, looking at their phones rather than just spending time with the person in front of them and having a conversation. It was just like they're they're just so connected to their phones, and so that was one of the things that I thought that flashlight was that new way to, like, get people to get the fuck off the phone. (laughs) And this person walking into that scene... um, that was just that simple representative. You took it
1: to this this level that resonated so closely with people.
0: Uh, you can look at that as like being too wrapped up in the work and then just forgetting about what's really important. Uh, it, it could also just be representative of someone stuck in their life, you know, and then that like daily, Rat race. And I've actually, probably the coolest part with it resonating with people was was having people mention in comments like, this short made me cry. Um, I think it was like Cambodia or somewhere where the internet is monitored. Um, the girl couldn't watch it and she reached out and wanted to see it. Yeah. And, and it was really cool that social media ironically opened up and touched people that otherwise it wouldn't have. So how did you get the peace tour? uh dropbox no kidding Uh, i sent her a direct message i was like what's the email to uh, allow you to check it out and she checked it out Sent me a private message later and it's just amazing that a piece that has like no dialogue connects to so many people that doesn't speak the same language so it's it's pretty cool that it's a you know a universal language of that story so
1: as you're collaborating with another very visual person (laughs) Are you, are you working in sketches? Do you write treatments? How did, how did you collaborate back and forth? How did that process work uh, collaborating with, uh, he's I mean, he's a dedicated illustrator, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dedicated illustrator. This is pretty strange, but we've never done a, a video Slack or, or a Skype call. We've never talked to one another directly. I trusted him into what he was creating and uh, I was fortunate enough that he trusted me in the same manner and because he sent the first sketches of like what he's going. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, like, let's, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and And then once he completed those finished illustrations, that's that's then when, like I said of like how do I connect these to make it bigger because of just animating out these individually? It's just like why, why would you not like connect them right? Um, but then from there, it went in just like a, a very rough storyboard. Uh, an actual uh, sketched out storyboard I don't really do sketched out storyboards anymore I just do it through um, through the computer um, through boards but um, do you find that a tool like you're primarily working mm-hmm. in After Effects in this correct uh, this one was a uh, I actually had to build out that character uh, in a few different angles through Illustrator okay. and then I brought that into um, After Effects uh, I didn't have to, well, there's a few areas that I did do some textural animations through Photoshop, but predominantly, yeah, it's all After Effects. But yeah, the, the, the cell animation of the flashlight wave, that was done um, frame by frame, and that, and that was in partly because it's such a dominant piece to that visual, it, it needed to, to match the personality of his illustrations and just the how approachable it is. Um, there's some character into that frame by frame animation that just resonates to the illustration and and it to me it just has the story come through stronger and and makes those those visuals just be like that that dude is like alive. Yeah. Like I want the animation (laughs) to be invisible. He Um, has such soul. There's such subtlety to the movements
1: and little little audio cues and, and things like that. How was Mark reacting to you bringing his otherwise two-dimensional sketches and drawings to life and giving them depth? How was how he reacting to that process? I mean, it was,
0: it was, a, it was a good email that he wrote back when I shared with him like a, a work in progress because it took actually, uh, like I reached out uh, September, October 2016. It actually went for about 11 to 12 months before we actually finished it. Um, mainly because of uh, um, the paid work that we have to do with sure. client work. Um, so I jumped on and off of this project at least four or five different times, um, animating only small pieces because I knew just going directly at it, it's, it's a big mountain to climb and, and I know it would be overwhelming. Yeah,
1: I was gonna ask in, in how you like to work in general, do you like to work in those intense bursts? Are you the type that will just sit down for I mean, sit down for 18 hours and just marathon it (laughs) out. How how do you like to work on especially a passion project like this? You know,
0: I'm like a a blend between Intense Burst and Sit and Grind. The Intense Burst, as this was happening, I was also starting up Fern and and trying to get that to grow. and, And that is like in a big adult style. Absolutely. So I would have, in my days, I would plan out when I would work on this. And so with this... I would get up um, sometimes three thirty or four in the morning, go to like nine, and those are short stints. But those were like my very intense bursts to do some of the work. And then there's those other portions of sitting and grinding. Those were weekend days, and I would I would have to let my wife know. It's like things like this is a sacrifice, and if you just communicate it, and I had to communicate it with Michelle, and yeah. thankfully. Um, she was supportive and willing to, like, allow me to just disconnect and, and achieve something that, you know, that I want to do. And uh, and so that, to me, those weekend hours of, like, getting up at 8 or 9 and then going till 2 or whatever, those are, like, grind hours because I would honestly rather be outside of or doing something. <laughs> but I know this is, like, that internal feeling of it's, like, something is calling and and that's me answering it of doing short intense bursts and then some that's just sit and grind. Um, But there's like a huge satisfying ending um, state for me at the end of like sit and grind. There's something interesting about the difference of how I feel on a and ground versus an intense burst. Because an intense burst, I guess maybe it's like an adrenaline still happening after I'm done on that short limited time. But of course.
1: Tell me about how fear played a part of this project were there aspects when you were just like what happens if this sucks what happens if I don't do this
0: yeah probably the only fear with me is not completing it or not doing it that's probably where my fear comes into is because I'm some I'm someone personally who if I say I'm going to do something or make something I'm going to do it Sometimes it just takes longer, or you know, there's other reasons why you might not do it. But in this case, I'm a 100%. I can fucking do this, and yeah, that's probably the only fear of knowing that, like, ah, shit, like, you know, I don't want to just drag this out. I never had the fear of someone not liking it, mainly because my mind wasn't even th- thinking of how people would respond to it. I was more of I hope Mark likes this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and to honor Mark's illustration. Yeah, uh, because you know I care about people I work with, and I want to make sure that I'm doing their work justice and how they created it, and that's kind of how I would like people to see me and how they would work with me. But I definitely take that as a very important thing, and so that was probably the only person I gave a shit about on if they liked it. Um, I, I honestly didn't expect anyone to like it how people has so far. So that that is to me is like an outer body experience so far. <laughs>
1: it's so cool. Is this one of the most ambitious animation projects you've taken on?
0: The animation itself isn't wasn't complicated or anything like that. It was probably ambitious from the side of sacrificing time from your significant other or your family or your friends that's probably I would call it the ambitious part because to me it's like uh, work and creative work not work for clients (laughs) creative work is to me almost on the same platform as family and so they both have to have attention, um, but you don't want to, like, not tend to the other. Um, it's it's a part of you, isn't it? It really is, and you can tell when I haven't done anything creative in a while, because, you, you know, it's like whenever you're like, I need to go outside. It's yeah. It's that same feeling for me. It's like you get, like, that... It's therapeutic, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really is, and, and knowing that you're just like, ah, oh, I just accomplished something, but... Weirdly, I, I didn't have any clue how people would react. I only gave a fuck about what Mark thought. <laughs> that's <I mean, laughs> that that, it.
1: That's a good bar, though. That's I mean, you have to approach a, a passion project like that because if you let fear hold you back or fear of judgment, um, it can just stop you cold, in mm-hmm. your tracks. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, while you were beginning this project, you were starting Fern as well. We're in mm-hmm. Fern Studios today. Incredible space. Um, talk to me. You've you worked in house at agencies before. Tell me how your creative process has changed uh, when you were working in house at an agency versus you're the boss. You're the man.
0: I don't really like to say I'm the boss or i the man because <laughs> really clients are like the boss and the man. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not really saying that from like a hippie standpoint of of like work environments, but I think the the, probably the thing that's different from, like, being at agencies until it is now is a lot of the things that frustrated me at agencies was a little bit of process and communication, but also some layers like, like leadership, right? And um, here at FERN, that's all of those, like, um, great working habits that I have learned from others, from other um, previous studios. Um, I'm taking all of those and, and applying it at what I do here. So that's probably the, the thing that that's great about like running your own shop is you can take those best methods that, that you really like and apply those going into your projects, but also just your team members. Um, I don't think This is probably just like a rant, probably. (laughs) But I don't think, like, agencies do a great job of mentoring them. Um, To me, it's your projects only can be successful based off of, like, how happy people are on your team or how good or talented those people are on your team. It's crazy because there has to be an
1: order to things, but process can almost crush the magic yeah. out of out of any type of project if if you're not careful. It sounds like there's there's so much greater freedom to let the project be what it is.
0: Yeah, there is. I think if you can have a mindset of your process can always be improved, then I'm hopeful that that process of how you go about it creatively will continue to just improve over and over again. Um, as long as you can at the end of the project and, and sit down with your team and be like, I really fucked up here. So what do you guys think about, you know, me doing this differently next time or, um, basically just trying to figure out ways to just make it better as we go through it. If you're with people you trust and a exactly. team you've, you've built around you, you can admit, you
1: can you can take responsibility, but you can also succeed together as yeah. well. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's take a ownership, um, realize that we're all going in the same direction and everyone is rooting for you. You see a lot of times
1: at these types of studios where there's a process for process' sake. If if the deck isn't right, <laughs> if <laughs> if the kickoff's not right, or if the timesheets or or whatever, all mm-hmm. these little things that are well intentioned, uh, they just get in the way of the magic of yeah. the work. Can you imagine if you had to punch a time clock if you were working on unexpected discoveries or you were accountable for? Yeah. <laughs> you spent way too more too many hours on the flashlight this week, James. <laughs> Tell me about the importance of being present as an animator.
0: I th- I think it also goes into like, to me, the philosophy of the studio of why well, I started Fern and obviously I want to make great stuff as best as possible and tell the best story. But the being present of, you know, of studio itself is realize that your team, your individuals that it makes up the studio is much bigger than this studio. It's that and
1: that that. Even mindset is almost opposite of how an agency or you almost have to th- to think to exist in an agency is this is my life. It's such an interesting different perspective to think of these people are people. They exist outside the studio. Mm-hmm. Do you think that ultimately affects the work you're doing inside the studio as well?
0: Yeah. I think when someone just like has something they're really interested in or if they like to travel all that stuff just influences their work and just shapes their experiences and, you know, how they view the world. So,
1: as an animator and, you know, from coming from a copywriter background, my <coughs> work can be very one-dimensional. You know, you put a word on a page, it, mm-hmm. it sits there. But as an animator, there's so many variables to work with. And how did you work with him to bring in sound?
0: So, uh um, A lot of the sounds, the the stuff where things is coming to life, that's a little bit of my process of when I'm going through the storyboards. As I'm going through and storyboarding it, I'm rehearsing it almost.
1: That's incredible. And
0: as I'm rehearsing it, going through the storyboard, um, rehearsing it mentally as I'm looking through the things I've sketched out, I think of all of these um, things that you hear uh, and so I'm just like fucking making notes <laughs> um, are you doing the
1: little grunts and, and noises that he makes too because so, there's such a subtlety <laughs> to those that um, the character has such humanity
0: for you know, it's a very stylized illustration, yeah. obviously, but it has
1: such humanity. I think that's why it's resonating with
0: people. So that you have to give credit to Casey Geeson. He um, he was a sound designer. When I started, you know, realizing that this needs to be like a a, a, a short, right, how to connect them, I reached out to him and was like, hey, um, let's. Are you interested in you know doing a sound design piece for his personal passion project and. Thankfully, he was on board, and and I was like, you know, I hope that this project is something that you can um, really just, like, push on and just do something that you would feel proud of. Like, I want to provide you a project so you can do that. And, um, and so Casey did a great job of, like you said, like adding in those, like, subtle grunts and stuff really to just – further humanize this, like, little 2D fellow. Did the sound designer
1: go get that Nat sound and pick uh, it
0: up? No, those those are ones that I went through and sourced, uh, like, on YouTube. It probably isn't, a <laughs> probably isn't the best thing, but um, some of those, like, little sounds that you hear from um, the deep rumble in space um, to the, the whale um, talking in the underwater scenes, like, all of those were sounds that I was sourcing finding for Casey because that stuff to me is like grunt work and I didn't want to put like grunt work on the Casey I wanted him to have the flexibility to just go in and just um, add more sex to the piece yeah. and, and I know sound is super important and um, this yeah sound can just make or break stuff. Yeah,
1: I love at that very fade out. You do hear the conversation, and it's in another language, but it, it adds such a body and depth, and the sound. There's not a single word spoken, mm-hmm. so that sound is is so important on a personal project like this. How do you know when you're done?
0: Uh, in this case, I had gotten an email about the uh, it was like the Atlanta Film Festival, and uh, I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think about submitting a short to a film festival. Yeah. <laughs> and and I noticed that their deadline was, like, November 16th, and uh, I was, like, 75% done um, at the beginning of November. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, actually, right around Halloween, I was, like, 75% there, and uh, that was probably when a lot of those intense bursts kicked in because I wanted to meet that November, I think it was 16th, deadline for the... Atlanta Film Festival, and that was when I knew, like, okay, I got to, like, get done with this and, and not worry about some pieces that I wished or that I wanted to do more on to, um, because to me, it was, it was about just, like, getting to that finish line and submitting to something that's here, a local hometown, that it would be cool to see it on a big screen one day. What, what was it like when
1: you pressed upload on Vimeo? Vimeo was the platform that took this globally. <clears throat> Is that
0: correct? Yeah. I didn't have a, a, um, a moment of when it got put, in, put on Vimeo. Uh, I think it was... I had that moment when I submitted it to... Um, the the, fest, the Atlanta Film Festival because it was like, do you admit not? And no law, this shit was uploaded and and submitted at like eleven fifty eight. So to the that, wire, yeah. So <laughs> that was the moment to me of crossing that that fucking marathon. And like no law, like now I understand why those marathon runners are like so emotional and like weak. And I also now understand why actors who win, you know, best picture or, like, directors who also win this stuff. Now I understand why they are so um, emotional um, and, and like, flabbergasted because uh, that's kind of how I felt. Like, as soon as I submitted upload, uh, my wife was upstairs in bed, like, you know, looking at her from, like, winding down. Yes. I walked upstairs, and I was just, like, I was... I was, like, so mentally exhausted, but, like, almost in, like, a euphoric state. You did? Yeah. It was like I summoned this massive fucking mountain. But, yeah, when it got on the Vimeo. How quickly
1: did that happen? I mean, um, staff picks is massive. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: incredible. So I think it was um, day two or day three. It was whenever they picked it up for... That quickly. I didn't know that it had um, gotten a staff pick because um, it was like a Tuesday or Thursday morning. I was briefing a um, one of our uh, motion designers that <clears throat> that we work with, and he was like, "Ah oh, man, that shit is so cool. Uh, you That shit is on staff pick." I was like, "What?" <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, dude, shit is on staff pick." I was like, "Holy shit!" And I like looked. <laughs> And there I fucking was, and cause I've I've obviously have never had a staff pick before, and so that was also that like climbing the mountain feeling again all over again. But it was I was wasn't so mentally exhausted or like drained. It was this one was more of like. Yeah, like climbing that mountain with a fuck ton of energy. Uh, it was a good feeling because, yeah, I didn't know until they told me.
1: I remember coming across it in my feet, and I was just like, James fucking did it. He fucking did that. And I was, like, so proud. Um, no, I appreciate what, it. What a crazy piece and journey. This is a piece that uh, will definitely endure. We talk a little bit about Vimeo has picked this up in its pre-rolls and its advertising. I mean... I see Vimeo pre-roll on YouTube. I'm seeing your your piece and and frames of this <laughs> everywhere. Talk to me about, um, yeah. Has that further pushed the exposure of the piece? And I think um, so.
0: Jeffrey, who's the senior curator at Vimeo, reached out. Jeffrey um, Bowers. He was like, oh, by the way, here is our like marketing coordinator. They're interested in using it for. Um, promoting your short but also using it to show uh, great work uh, on Vimeo's platform so they're just using it as well to promote themselves and I was I obviously was like fuck yeah it's just another (laughs) way to have someone see it I probably should have thought of it this way of like maybe we should have got some money out of that but I didn't even think of it that I was just
1: that was totally solely, unpaid.
0: yeah. They're just using it for free. I probably shouldn't have done that looking back on it, but but that's something that I've learned of next shorts. I probably will make sure to have shit like that buttoned down. But my my really only concern is just having people see it and allowing them to use it was just my way of being like, Well, all right, this further gets it on to like another stage beyond just like their regular you know, staff big channel. that gets it front and center on their actual website. If they share it on their social, we're great. But, uh, but, yeah, that's how that transpired.
1: It's hard to think about your art and something you toiled over. It's like, oh, i got to make money off this now. <laughs> but, it, um, yeah. no, it's the, the reach in it and the exposure, I'm sure, that the the Vimeo pre rolls and everything is is gotten is just incredible. Yeah, what do you want to do next after after I mean a crazy accomplishment like
0: this? I, I didn't really like I knew that I wanted to create um, a short every year. I want to make something that that makes you have a feeling um, or or an experience that makes you remember something that in your life that you know, that you can recall, and or maybe it's something that we tell, and it's something that you think back to five years later. The next one is, is when we actually create <laughs> the film, have a bit more of a plan of, you know, how to get that out to a broader audience, besides just Vimeo and, like, how to promote it, and so that's probably... The next phases, but I definitely, the next one um, will most likely be like a live orchestra um, score. Um, So that shit I'm really excited about. so cool. It's definitely opened up this this different world of something that I want to go down into because it's very uh, foreign into the world that I came from. And to me, it gets uh, a little bit closer to a real art form of how people perceive it. But also just, like I said, going back to the feeling of it is you truly are feeling something from it. And it's something you're going to remember.
1: Um, you know, last couple of questions, give me, um, some advice or people out there, mm-hmm. uh, the one or two listeners that may ever hear this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> give me some advice on, uh, people who are thinking about taking up a passion project, I'm, I'm
0: going to take that as as a collaborative project with somebody. Sure. Um, my first thing that is surprising that a lot of people just don't do, or they're just you know too scared to is is just reach out to people that you would want to collaborate with, don't allow that rejection of them possibly not responding to you to take away your spirit. So that's probably the first thing that I notice that some people just don't do is just reach out to people that they respect and want to do something together with. I would highly recommend just like... Put all of that shit aside and be like, they are just like you, and just type up a <laughs> last email and send. So if it's a DM and email, whatever exactly. it is, just reach out to them. That you may be lucky enough that you know they'll respond, or you know. Um, so that is probably the first step. The second step to me is don't be um, overwhelmed or or, or or like, shell-shocked by the amount of stuff that it takes in order to do something like a short. Look at it into smaller pieces and chip away at that larger rock. It's just—it sounds corny, but, like, Michelangelo didn't see those huge things of fucking marble, and was like, oh, shit, I can't, like, sculpt out David or whatever. And then— Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it literally is just, like— one step at a time, like one chip at it, and and just remember, like, segment out little small goals to reach, in order to like make that summit. Because once you get to that summit, it will wash over you, into like this, like, ah, oh, my God, I can't believe I just finished that. Uh, but it's, is, it's see the mountain, and. You just have to lean into it and and know that that mountain is something that you just have to take one step at a time. There's a massive level of um,
1: patience you have to have with with yourself, isn't it? It's like, of course, on step one, you could be like, geez, there's (laughs) 13,000 more feet to go, but Mm -hmm. of course, yeah, with, I mean, even this podcast, it's uh, very first episode. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I stopped or quit on the intro or almost gave up, so... Um, I think that's, that's <laughs> you really may be
0: having that yo for Like, <laughs> Oh my God, it's happening it's, <laughs> experience right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: just to get to episode one, the amount of work to get to it, understanding the concept might work. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's incredible advice. One last question. Any, any thinkers or artists that helped you establish your process and, and get to where you are today?
0: I don't really have, I mean, there's, and, and I'll say this because there's so many good people that I look up to, but I don't have like a specific person, um, I, I just have a group of people that I admire, their stuff that they do. Obviously on the outskirts of like their work that they're able to achieve, I think the the mental side of it as well is just as impressive as the, the, the visual side. Um, Is kind of like LeBron. It's like, dude is is a a fantastic player, but he could also just allow his mind to just get into, like, I'm an amazing player. I really respect people who who are just taking these massive risks and just almost, to me, it's almost like they're stripping themselves, um, like, naked and just, you know, going forward and without – being too shy because that's probably my biggest thing is, is like being too scared of how how people might perceive something, right? Um,
1: Agreed, Mike. Mm, um, it's so, so it's way easier <clears throat> not to share, not to speak up, not mm-hmm. to reach out. There's so much less risk, I think, than we than yeah. we. We think there is, and so much less downside than yeah. I think there is.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's like this strange, like, false, like, little figure that scares the shit out of, out of us, and once we realize it's just like nothing but smoke, you're just like, well, damn, why, why was I being a little bitch about this?
1: <laughs> and there's, I've I found, too, that when you open up, there's this multiplying factor that when you open up... To people, mm-hmm. it seems to multiply. I think generosity and, and openness just generates more opportunity, more more collaboration, and more just great stuff. Yeah. from people.
0: Yeah, um, don't. Yeah, definitely don't get like guarded with your work or like scared to share it or or scared to work with others. <laughs> Agreed. Uh,
1: well, James, I'm not going to take up any more of your day. Go watch Unexpected Discoveries. Hire James and his company, <laughs> MadeByFern.com. Right,
0: keep, keep us alive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> keep, keep the fern alive. James is an incredible artist, incredible collaborator. Hire him today. James, thank you so much. Thanks, man. man. I appreciate, really appreciate it. it dude. Episode number one in the books, guys.
0: Lock. Thank you. <laughs>